Hello, everybody, and welcome back to an all-new Third and Nerd. Um, as you may have noticed, the, the, the Third and Nerd, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it at this point, project would be the best term for it. Third and Nerd project is now up to three different renowned, known, uh, respected uh, journalists from the sporting industry, uh, and, and, and we've divided up the Third and Nerd podcast uh, to, 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 so that each one are a little bit different. Uh, and the one that I'm going to do with Ryan is something that I wanted to do for a really long time, which is really just not talk about sports at all, because I just want to talk comics sometimes. Uh, we may drop in, like, football analogies, which will make it, you know, sporty. But this one's going to be the Marvel Blitz, and we're coming straight at you, and I'm going to tell you right now, if you have not seen Guardians of the Galaxy, turn this episode off. Stop, turn it off, come back, and listen to it after you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy for as many times as you need to see it to make sure you saw everything you needed to see. But if you have seen Guardians of the Galaxy and you want to move forward, there are going to be basically just spoiler. We're going to talk about the damn movie. Like, it, it, if, if you haven't seen the film, turn off the episode. This is my final warning. Turn back now. Yeah, turn back now, like they used to say at Kingdom of the Dinosaurs. Um, but uh, with that, I will introduce my co-host, the owner publisher, uh, of R.G. Bear Territory, and uh, I know not what they call the, the H.S. preps up there, the NorCal preps, I think it oh, is. Oh, it's, just, it's just Golden, Golden State Golden Preps, State preps uh, dot com and Bear Territory. And dot Bear Ter- so for all your, your Cal sporting needs, I'm your Golden Bear of record, basically. And, and, and when he says Cal sporting needs, I mean, this dude covers every damn thing. Covers Baseball, every, football, uh, basketball, recruiting, everything. Yeah, everything. Everything like I, I, I think he may actually enjoy covering baseball more than football, but I couldn't prove that. Oh, you can prove it. I'll, I'll agree. I'll, baseball is my love. Okay, there you go. It shows. It shows. That's that's how I got that opinion. Uh, but speaking of love, one of the central themes of the Guardians of the Galaxy, as I saw, was finding family where you had none, and the concept of of making that family work you know in the case of 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 yondu we find out because at the end of guardians of the galaxy one you know there's the question from his from his first mate his boy you know uh why why didn't we deliver him and you know his daddy is a jackass and we we meet the jackass in episode two and kurt russell is every bit the asshole that he uh is made out to be in the in the previous movie. And for the record, that's right in line with how Jason of Spartax carries out his normal daily interactions, except when he's dealing with Medusa, because then he just turns into, I, I don't even know what you want to call it, but man. And frankly, he, we also see thirsty. this version, you know, the Jason of Spartax. We also see that in the Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon that's on uh, that's on that's on Disney XD. It's it's very much a similar characterization. Yes, yes it is. And 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 I'm glad you bring that up cuz I love all the XD series and I really felt Ultimate Spider-Man had more to give. I was sad to see that go. Um but uh you know, I 
I have to say, for me, obviously, the most emotional movie of the moment wasn't when Yondu died, but when all the Ravagers showed up and oh, Father yeah. and Son was playing and his, and, and his first mate started crying and was hitting his chest like, yes! You know, like, Yondu died with honor. And, 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 and seeing his... I, I, I'm not even going to lie, dude. My, my wife was sitting right next to me. I lost it in the theater. Oh, I, was, when, I, when I never went from it. laughing so hard to, God damn, it got a little dusty in here uh, so quickly. Because the jokes were a mile a minute in, in Guardians too, And the emotional core of it, as you said, sometimes family is not blood. Sometimes family uh, is what you make it. And that was really the point. That was the, the through line for the whole movie. You saw it touched on it. Uh, when they, they talked about rockets, when they talked about rockets origins, you saw that t- you, you saw Drax become the goofy uncle who apparently used to be in yeah. the Marines, but now he's a fat, uh, dirty Joker. Um, you, you saw and, and, and he's Gamora developing and a relationship with Groot. Like yep. Groot was 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 attached to Drax, or at least in some way. Every Drax hates dancing, and every time Drax turns to Groot, he stops dancing. Like, what's to be gleaned there is that Groot, aside from Rocket, really looks up to Drax, and there was some some little interplay with that where at the end of the movie where he's almost, like, holding him like a baby and patting him on the back, which I thought... And and remember also Drax at the end, and like I watched Guardians 1 after I saw Guardians 2, and... I do think Guardians 1 is the superior movie, having watched them back-to-back. But at, at the end of that, you see Drax kind of petting uh, – you see him petting Rocket on the head. I mean, there's, there's – mm. it's really yeah, – there's, there's this family element to it that really is – is it, it resonates for me. I have a relationship with my dad. My My parents got divorced when I was six months old. So I never had a mom and a dad in the same house until my yeah, mom I was married, a my stepdad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you feel it even more keenly. But when my mom got married to my stepdad, there were certainly some clashes at the beginning, you know, feeling out and sort of circling each other. And, and you know, when I heard at the end when Yondu said, he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy, like that, that hit me too. I mean, not that I don't have a good relationship with my dad, but, you know, it. I'm certainly – in many ways, more my stepfather's son uh, than my dad's in, in a lot of ways. So uh, that uh, that hit me as well. And and this whole idea of, you know, uh, I don't know if anyone read James Gunn's uh, uh, missive on Facebook earlier today, but it talks about being the weird kid. It talks about being the awkward kid, and, and it talks about being the outcast. And these comic books used to be comic books, now comic books and movies and cartoons and everything. That was our refuge as the weirdos, as the outcasts, yeah. and these movies really hammer that home. And that, that really, you know, again, that's why I really loved, and this movie really resonated with me, was the, was the, the definition of family, the importance of fathers and sons, and the relationships therein. So that, that, really, that really got me, and I was, uh, I was it, it, that's what had me walking out of the theater thinking, you know what, this is probably my one, one of you know my top three. But as I watched Guardians one again, I'm like, mm, no, there were there were definitely some issues, and I 
I, I can see why some people said it wasn't as good as the first, but again, there were no more laugh-out-loud moments followed by, oh, God! Oh, see, see and, that's, and that, to me, is why it was better than the first, because I felt that the film, the first film, the, the, all right, uh, people who read comics are uniquely familiar with The Guardians. While their first well, series... <laughs> well, right, right, right. But, well, I mean, their first series ran from, like, 90 to 94-ish, something somewhere around there. Had about 50 different books. But, man, they crammed in a lot of crap in there. I mean, they truly did. Like, I, I mean, I don't know how many different people they, they, they managed to come across. Doom, Galactus, the Silver Surfer. I mean, you name it. They covered it in, in, in the 50-issue run that the Guardians had out. But it's not the Guardians that everybody knows. Uh, for those who, uh, you know, are, are, are trying to get into this whole thing and, and, and didn't know. All right, so, so, so Sylvester Stallone, and I am not sure who the elderly, I believe she might have been Asian. I, I try not to typecast, but you, you saw two older individual faction leaders that they tend to focus on. One of them was a dark-haired, aging woman, and the other one was Sylvester Stallone. And at the end of the movie, they make even a point of panning to her when she, I believe she's the one who says Yondu Udanta. She says his full name. But that woman and Sylvester Stallone are actually uh, uh, Starhawks. They are combined, yeah. Yeah, Starhawks, Starhawk, and Alita. Um, and, and, and we didn't get to see that, but we did see the insignia. We saw, I, I believe Ving Rhames was posing as Charlie 27. Uh, Martin X was, was pretty well spotted. And then there's some debate over whether, uh, Major Victory or Wonder Boy was, was there. Um, boy, man, if they threw Major Victory in there, that would really confuse people. Well, because uh, Major Victory travels like eight different timelines and three different types <laughs> of continuity, so it's like, uh, listen, you're, you're, yes, we are 15-some-odd movies deep into this we, uh, whole thing. We're not at now. Major Victory territory yeah, yet, though. But people aren't ready for Major Victory yet, or Vance Astro Vic. You know, yeah. the Vance Astro slash Vance Astro Vic. Wait, he's in the future, but he's also here. Wait, what the hell is going on? Yeah, so, Vance Astrovic might have been my favorite thing. I'm like, wait, when, when we moved him into the future, he became Russian. All right. Like, yeah, the, the, the greatest thing about the Guardians is that they, they sort of exist with, within a timeline unto themselves. And they mention that in a comic when the Silver Surfer returns, when they bring him back and the Guardians are set to square off against Galactus. They, they, they mentioned that though it was four years for everybody else, uh, or it was four years for them, uh, they traveled through time where everybody else lived it. So, um, yeah, I, 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 what were your main problems with the movie? Because that seems to be where it's, it's the older characters that seem to bug people. You know, it, I, because I was, completely unfamiliar with the guardians you know i do my wikipediaing you know i i i i learn up on uh on everything before i go in so it wasn't uh for me it wasn't the 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 way that they characterized the older bunch for me it was just that there were some jokes that just didn't land or not 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 didn't land because i laughed my butt off but 
for me, it was the fact that, and, and we talked a little bit about this in the pre-show, Drax the Destroyer, okay? He is supposed to be a titan. He's supposed to be a force of nature. He's supposed to be a this stoic warrior. He's supposed to be this absolute tank. And like I said in, in the earlier part of the show, I said he's kind of like your goofy fat uncle who everyone says was in the Marines, but you look at him and go, that guy? Uh, that's kind of what we're getting. And not that Dave Bautista didn't absolutely throw himself into this. And you really feel the kind of childlike joy that he gets at screwing with people. But at the same time, this is a guy who you should be taking seriously. And he's the guy making a penis joke. I expect that out of Star-Lord. And for that matter, I expect it to be a little bit more of a clever double entendre. Not just, oh, here, we're going to make a dick joke and we're not even going to hide it. You know, that 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 pulled me out of it. And that's the thing with, with me. I get I, that. As as a writer, I look at I look at movies and look at films as 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 pieces of, of literature. Anything that pulls me out of it, anything that pulls me especially when you're creating a world, as Marvel has, when you're creating a world and something pulls you out of that world and you realize you're in a movie theater, especially I saw this thing in IMAX three D, so I am just like in it. But when something like that pulls you out, you go, oh, damn it. You know, because then you have to work your way back in. Instead of working your way in from the beginning, now you have to work yourself back into the story when it's, you know, the second act of The Great and Powerful Oz, when everything's in Technicolor and it's an entirely computer-generated landscape. That's, that was my issue with it, was that it did pull me out at that point. Another thing that I, I, I hate to say it because I really love the scene and I really love the character development was the scene between Nebula, the North by Northwest scene with Nebula and, um, and, and, um, uh, and Zoe Saldana and, um, uh, Gamora. Karen, Karen yeah. Gillian and Gamora. Yeah, and well, it was Nebula and Gamora. And it was, it was the scene, A, I thought the scene was beautifully shot and it didn't, and it didn't have music and it didn't need music. I really thought that she's kind of sitting in a desert there, and so it should be silent. So I really liked the way that scene was composed. I love the sound there. Um, and, I, again, I love the, the throwback to North by Northwest. But that entire scene, which is an incredibly dramatic scene at the end where you have Nebula saying, all I wanted was a sister, and all you wanted to do was win. Oh, oh, God. That, right. You should take that entire scene out, and it would make no difference to the movie. Yeah, that's that... my issue with that scene is that you need to make everything matter. And while that scene was great, especially in isolation, I have a theory as to why they did that scene, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I did think that that I was like, wow, we're we're, we're going there, huh? Like, I, I it didn't bother me the same way you did, but I did have that reaction of, oh, that that's the type of feel uh, feeling we're going to be having like right now. Um, all right then, uh, but I. But at the same time, Nebula is critical to, if you've read the Infinity Gauntlet, you damn well know that, 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 that Nebula is the reason the entire thing ends. And so she's critical to the story, how they get her on the side of good for any reason, because they're not going to have the backhanded treachery. I doubt they're going to take the time to have Thanos disfigure her over, you know, the, the course of two to three books just to prove a point. 
um, I, I very much doubt that that's going to happen. So, but they implied, you know, they they used that scene to imply the disfigurement. You know, they they used that scene to show how Thanos psychologically tortured this girl. Yeah, and, I'm just saying, in in the actual Infinity Gauntlet, he does disfigure her before she finally, in this horrifically off-looking state, like. You know, you know, an emperor's new groove when they talk about Yzma and they're like, "Ah, oh, ugly beyond all reason." Like that's that's Nebula in the actual Infinity Gauntlet comic. Like Thanos has just straight butchered her, and and and, and I agree with you that that's what that's for. I just I think the reason that they brought Gamora and Nebula back together was to have that in there. Mm-hmm yet not have it seem out of place that Nebula did something in favor of the heroes. Yeah, and and and, and she she still you, and the, the the thing that I loved about her arc was that it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like I Iron Man 2 was on earlier today when I was watching it. It didn't feel like this is Infinity War part 0. It didn't feel like they were just setting up. It felt organic. Because, you know, when I was watching Guardians 1, one of my things was, why the hell does she hate Gamora so goddamn much? Because, you know, it's, she's not a, not a good person, so, and, you know, and they're not doing good things. They're nasty people. You know, right. Like, yeah, yeah, There's honor like among thieves among right. themselves, though. Right. Like, why the hell does she hate uh, Gamora so much? And so that scene really did feel true to character. Which, uh, hey, kudos to, to James Gunn for doing it and, and for the way it was acted. So, so in, on, on, in the plus column, yes, it was well acted. It, it, it felt organic. It felt right. It didn't betray the character. But again, my, my biggest thing is you could have pulled that out of the movie and it wouldn't have made a difference. Ooh. And maybe are there, are there other sort of uh, ancillary scenes that were that were there that maybe build it a little bit more. I don't know. But and that, that and again, that that in and of itself is a minor quibble. My my biggest my biggest quibble with the movie was um was that you didn't have uh, or was was that the humor sometimes was played for yucks and it wasn't organic. You know, uh, you know, uh, watching again, watching Guardians 1, the humor was organic. It made sense. It, in a scene, it fit. You know, it wasn't, we're going to, you know, it's not a, a joke a minute. You know, it's... I think there it, were some it, contrived laughs in there, for sure. Like, the part where they're all standing around together, like, doing the, the superhero circle shot, except they're all inverted. And you're like, all right, here we are, standing like a bunch of jackasses. No, see, I love that line. I felt that line was a wink, and it was organic. And it was kind of playing with the genre, this one felt like it was trying to play, playing the genre um, a little too much. But again, there were some real emotional stakes in this one that we didn't have in the first. The first was funny and it was quick. It, it, it was great. It was well paced. And like I said, the 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 laughs in there came from character. The laughs in that movie came from the fact that Drax has no idea what a metaphor is. The fact the the the, the the last in that movie came from the fact that Rocket is a sadistic little bastard. You know, the the fact the, the last in that movie came from the fact that 
that yeah, Peter Quill has kind of a gray moral center, but but you know, but he's still kind of a. a, a I'm a fan of the. I'm the fan of the Punisher. As far as I'm concerned, Peter Quill's moral center is like godly. <laughs> I mean, there's, 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 I, it goes back to what Garth Ennis wrote at the beginning of the, of the trade paperback of Welcome Back Frank, where he's like, in defense of the Punisher, not gonna happen. There's no way in hell I'm gonna try and justify what this guy does, you know? I mean, so, but I, but I, I mean, get it back to the Guardians, I get your point. But, uh, before, we uh, wrap up or move on. I do want to talk about something, though. There was a pretty big bombshell in there. Well, maybe not a big bombshell as much as confirmation of something we uh, Easter egg hunters knew from earlier. Um, first off, Cosmo's back. Yeah, and, I almost missed that. <laughs> yeah, and, and Cosmo is one of the few telepaths who is powerful enough to do battle with the best of them. Um, and uh, we also had, at the very end of the movie, uh, it's it, 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 it borrowed and revisited from the comics, like the Contractions didn't make him, but he did come from the Enclave, and he is referred to as him or Adam, but you and I both know what that means yeah, and Adam who Warlock. that is. And this is basically confirmation that Adam Warlock is going to be entering the fray at some point. Whether or not he will see time in the Avengers. Well, from uh, all the Infinity stuff War. that I have read, and I do have a little more time. We, we don't have to end quite so early. I, 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 uh, there was a kid who committed to Cal. I got those stories out, so we're free to talk a little bit longer. Um but from what I have read, and one of my favorite sites, if you haven't been to it, and I'm under no obligation to promote them, I just have, they've been my Bible for so long, uh, it's comicbookmovie.com. And uh, they have a lot of really good stuff there. They, it's kind of a news aggregation site. They bring in a lot of stuff. They do cite everybody uh, and all the trades and whatnot. Everything that I've been hearing is that Adam Warlock will not be in at least the first Infinity War movie, we, but they've also I didn't said, think it would be. The, he, I didn't think he would be in the first. That feels but, too soon. I feel yeah, like the but second. They've also said that the title of the second part of what used to be Infinity War Part 1 and Infinity War Part 2 would give away a huge spoiler for Infinity War Part 1. So I, I have a feeling we'll see him then. Um, or, you know, if not, then we will get the setup in Guardians 3, which has all but been greenlit at this point, given the $150 million weekend that they had. No, it it has been greenlit, and and, and I wrote an article on this for the Marvel Report. Right now, it's slated to take the place of Inhumans, which was scheduled to be, ironically enough, the final film of Phase 3. Which and, is and, a, and what, tragedy what, that it's what, what happened to and, and it made sense why, because after all of this, after introducing magic, the multiverse, and the cosmos, the only thing left for you to introduce at a massive level, because you remember they've only really got, well, one at this point, because they killed off their other enhanced individual, but you've only got one enhanced individual and there are way more inhumans out there. And you and I both agree that it's crap that that move, 
Like, what bothers me more about it is not that it got made into a TV show. It's that Marvel doesn't even recognize. they. It's, it's, it's bottom up, but it's certainly not top down. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will recognize things on the defense, you know, that are going on in Netflix or in the movies, but you will never hear the movies even acknowledge a hint of what goes on in Netflix or TV, such as, like, the, the chasm between those two departments. And yeah, and that's it's really what a shame. Saddens, yeah, it is. And that's what saddens me as a fan is that even if you take the Inhumans as their cast and move them to the big screen for something, like, they have enhanced individuals and inhumans have a massive place in the Marvel universe. And I simply don't see how moving forward you have a universe that doesn't have enhanced people of any type. Yeah. It's especially because when we're looking at agents of shield, you know, when, when, that, when the inhuman storyline started there, we thought, okay, they're going to use Inhumans essentially in place of mutants in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep. By the way, uh, Hugh Jackman came out recently and said, hey, if they wanted me for Avengers and they could work something out, I'd put the claws back on. Um, but that's that's never going to happen. It's neither here nor nope. there. As he says, there are people with MBAs not smart enough to figure that out, so I'm not even going to try. But I had thought that Inhumans would essentially serve as the, uh, as the mutants. And and really, I mean, yeah, all of us comic book nerds, we all look at Daisy Johnson and we think, oh, man, now they can do, uh, you know, they can't do Scrolls because that's owned by Fox. But, man, they can do something like No, they can. Like they can. There's crossover. Apparently, in my research, there is ambiguity, and recently Kevin Feige cleared it up, that they do have the rights to Cree and Scroll. They can be both used. Because... Well, because the scrolls haven't have had massive interaction with the Avengers. I mean, got you've got you've got secret invasion. You you've got all sorts of things that aren't just strictly limited to the X Men. In fact, I would argue that the scrolls. I, I mean, the only reason you could even put them over there are the Fantastic Four. Well, but, they were originally with fan. They were originally a Fantastic Four villain. And and Fantastic and Four is is a, a piece of crap. So yeah, the, but, less, the but, less said about that franchise at this point, the better. But again, you know, going back to it, seeing hey, listen, now you have uh, you have Daredevil in this uh, in this in this in this now collective universe allegedly. You have Elektra here. You have Daisy Johnson and the Secret Warriors. Like you could do secret if you really wanted to. You could do Secret Invasion uh, ten years down the line, but. The the and it's it's funny because you know you look back and it's only been nine years since Iron Man and you think wow how far we've come you you can really see in nine or ten years you could, yeah you could pretty much do a Secret Invasion if you wanted to but you know it's disappointing because all the really cool elements yeah, that, Civil that thread War together was one hundred and twelve books and they did it in two hours. Yeah, and granted, it was a little different. I, one of my favorite parts of Civil War was Daredevil handing Tony uh, a, a, a coin and saying, here's your 30 pieces of silver, as he was yeah. going to haul off to Prison 42. Um, and then all, obviously all the Fantastic Four stuff had to get excised uh, to make it work. But again, in the way that they adapt these stories, you, you, you hope that you know you, every one of us 
every comic book geek has said, man, Wolverine and Beast on the Avengers. Can you imagine adding Hugh Jackman and freaking Kelsey Grammer to that ensemble cast? The 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 interplay that they would have, those kinds of actors, man. But unfortunately, because of all the movie deals, and and because of the fact that for one it's reason or other, it's Fox and ABC. Well, Fox and ABC at the heart of it. Also, Ike Perlmutter got in a pissing match with yeah. Kevin Feige. And that's why. I think if point, I Perlmutter were gone, that we would see be some. Done. Yeah. I think because I know Feige really wanted to do Inhumans, but again, for whatever reason, he and Ike Perlmutter just keep having a pissing match. And Perlmutter and, introduced a whole bunch of crap way too early. He had that whole abstract scene with the Terra Genesis Temple, which was bullshit in and of itself. And yeah, I mean. There were tons of things done in, 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 like, I honestly believe, do you remember that one episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right back when they first had Daisy undergo Terragenesis? She hadn't quite figured out her powers, but they got caught in a trap of some kind, which they knew it was going to be on a football field, with a guy who had a mechanism over his mouth and was basically being rolled out in a dolly. And then they removed that mechanism from his mouth and he spoke and the entire like place started to fall to bits. Like I have every belief in my mind that Perlmutter was probably going to try and make that black bolt. (laughs) And by the way, while we're on Inhumans, uh, the reveal of the costumes, oh boy, they're trash. Oh boy, Anson Mount had better costumes. Anson Anson Mount's costume for Black Bolt is trash. It's awful. It's it's, it's like it's, he, he's, it's like oh, Black Bolt decided he's gonna take up motorcycle riding. Look, there's his Harley. It's like he decided he was going to take up motorcycle riding in a hipster's club that worshipped Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, it was it was bad and and somehow somehow they made the incomparable Sorinda Swan look horrible. Yeah, I don't know how you do that because you could even even as a prisoner in Breakout Kings, she still looks stunning. You know, like yeah, you know oh, I, that uh, wig is bad. Whatever they put on her boobs was bad. Whatever bra that they decided was going to work, it's was all like, bad. That don't work. It's. I'll say this: Crystal looks okay. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm also not going to hate on Lockjaw because I know that blue is easier. Like I was reading some of the comments and a lot of graphic artists were like, people were like, hey, look, green screen is now just a term. A lot of people use blue now because it's easier to shade over. And so, you know, Lockjaw, he, 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 the big blue dog is, is going to be, we don't know what Lockjaw is going to look like yet. So I'm not going to ping him for having a, a large, Foam blue dog. Well, Lockjaw's a big blue. Is a is a big. I think he's like kind of a, a heather color. Uh, basically a giant mastiff. Um, yeah. So with, I, I don't know with how the phone on, on top a TV of his budget. Head. I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna do it. But uh, I'm interested to so see it. That's the same way Star Trek did. 
Yeah, but uh, anyway, I I I I will see it. I make I will go see it in IMAX when the yes. first like two hour thing comes out just just to see it. I'm a little more invested in that than I am in in um in Iron Fist, which I just I I just can't bring myself to waste thirteen hours. Look, I gotta that. I I gotta be honest with you. If they did, and 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 they kind of toyed with it. But if they did Ed uh, uh, Ed Brubaker and Matt Fraction's run of the Iron Fist with the seven heavenly uh, cities and the seven immortal weapons, I would watch that over and over. And, like, it, I, I tell you this. Like the Iron Fist or not, I don't care you owe it to yourself to go read that run of the Iron Fist. I think the whole thing is only like 17 books. It didn't last very long. But when you – and then it has a side complement series called Immortal Weapons where it goes through the individual tales of the immortal weapons that you meet along the way. And those things are Pulitzer Prize winning in my opinion anyhow. Um, but uh, – you know, I, I, I say if, if there's nothing else that you ever read of the Iron Fist, go read that, and it won't change your mind on the character, but it'll show you what's possible with him when you have somebody competently writing his storylines. Yeah, and it, it's a difficult thing to get around. I mean, we've talked about it before. It's, it's you're you're trying to write around the Asian stereotypes of the seventies. They do like, in this one. The they really do in this one. They take it to. That's what's so great about this one. It's not set really on Earth. I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's set within the confines of basically Mortal Kombat for the seven heavenly cities. And and each each city has an immortal weapon that comes with it, you know, its own power, similar to how the Iron Fist has the uh has the chi of Shaolau inside of him. It's the same concept but for each immortal weapon a different thing. And and it's just one of the most badass comic book runs that has ever been written. Like it's written well, it's drawn well. You you're like, "Hell, I want more of this." Like in the end, you actually kind of feel let down that there wasn't, like, more fighting. And there was plenty of fighting, but you're like, dude, I actually could have done with a little bit more. So, like, when I say that this is worth reading, like, I would honestly put it up there with just abstract runs. Like, this would be my number one non-major character just run. Yeah, I I, I haven't read it. Um, you know, I <laughs> Uh, you know, money gets tight, and I uh, can't afford hundred dollars hey. a month on hundred dollars hey. a week on uh, on comics. But uh, but I I I I do appreciate a well told story. And again, that's what we're talking about here in, in terms of the movie. I'll, I'll I'll let you borrow my password for my Marvel Unlimited <laughs> or something just right. to make you just to make you read it. There we go. Uh, but uh, and kind of getting back to you know what we started this podcast with, it's all about well told stories. And I do think that Guardians 2 absolutely had the the threads to weave a well told story. I think what would you do? What what would you do moving forward with it? Rather than what they missed, what would you take out of these two films moving forward 
and do with the third. Understanding that we don't know officially where it's going to be slotted within the MCU in Phase 3. We just know that it is in Phase 3. However, my interpretation of James Gunn's tweet was that he said he got to close out Phase 3. I mean, for a guy that writes for a living, that seems pretty clear. You know, like, writers usually choose their words. When you say you get to close something out, I generally assume that means you're the final movie in the, in the, in the phase. I could end up being wrong, but I think that's going to how, how it plays out. So let's operate under the hypothetical that the Infinity War has already taken place. Thanos has once again defeated himself. The world is back to normal. The half the population has been restored. Where does Guardians 3 take us? Well, I think Guardian, what we've seen over the first two, we saw this disparate group of of nobodies become a family, or at least start their journey to becoming a family. And remember, the second movie is set only four months after the first. So they are, in a sense, still on that journey. But we saw them in the second one really r- realize what was happening. Because I think in the first one, it happened very organically, and it kind of, all of a sudden, there you go. It as, as It happened gradually, and then all of a sudden. And in the second one, you have them realizing the value of family. And each character gets a few beats. Peter Quill, obviously, that's Chris Pratt, that's your face, that's this movie's Chris. Uh, he obviously gets the, uh, the, the, the lion's share of the dramatic weight. Uh, you killed my mom was like, oh, oh, God. Uh, like you, you, I saw that one coming half a movie away. Uh, I think everyone did. But, You've seen his journey, especially in regards to Yeah, but that was such a dick way he said it. Like, he just knocked on. I had to put that tumor in your mom's head. Like, I looked at my wife, I was like, fuck. To me, that that was an unforced error. And you can chalk it up to uh, hubris. You can chalk it up to, to, to arrogance. But I still thought the way that that happened was an unforced error. It should have been discovered. It shouldn't have just been a flippant like, whatever. Like like how Iron Man came across what happened with the Winter Soldier. He didn't it wasn't cool to him. He he found right. out that Bucky murdered his parents. Right, exactly. And and that's another piece of it that I wasn't entirely happy with. But anyway, you have so much development with Peter. You did get uh I think as much development as I think you need with Nebula and Gamora in terms of their relationship and why, and again, the definition of family to them. Uh, I really would like to see that same sort of care put into Drax and Rocket because Drax and Rocket's stories are so unbelievably tragic. And I kind of would like to see them take off uh, the mask of the clown with Drax. I would like to see them kind of answer that criticism in this movie that he's telling too many jokes. I would like to see them answer that with, yeah, he's choking around because flashbacks of his parents dying. Or his his wife and children dying. Like he's telling these jokes because inside he's dying and he's found a family that he can have fun with and that he can smile with and that he can laugh with because inside he's 
destroyed. The destroyer is himself destroyed. The, the the core of the guardians is that these are broken people. These are things and animals. These are fundamentally broken beings, whether it be psychologically with and they growth. have been and they have been for the record going back to the original. Like I mean, Starhawk was as unhinged as they come when they like Yondu had a crisis of faith because he met another Centaurian. Uh, Vance Astro, don't even get me started on that. I mean, we already talked about him. I mean, Charlie 27's about the most stable one of the group. And he's a genetically engineered freak to mine (laughs) on Jupiter or Pluto or something. Yeah, yeah, no, he, yeah, you you got it. He was Jupiter. Um, uh, uh, Martin X was, was Pluto. He's a crystalline being from Pluto. Yeah, and that, and that dude in, in the comics is a bag of like, Oh, I love Alita, you know, but I ha- I'm not a good leader. Maybe I should ask all these other people to be a leader. Like half half the run of the Guardians when they were set up is is Martin X crying about his leadership skills before he finally quits to go off to form the Galactic Guardians. But uh, you know, and like I said, every one of these people is broken. You have uh, Quill, who's broken emotionally and psychologically. You have Gamora, who's broken physically. Literally, she has cybernetic implants. You have Rocket, who is broken all eight, you know, eight ways from Sunday. Uh, th- th- these people are all broken. I would love to see, especially, again, like I said, Drax and Rocket. Because Rocket, in one line of dialogue in the first Guardians, where he says, do you think I asked for them to make me like this, to tear me apart and put me back together again? like some sort of little monster. That line, in, in that one line, you could turn that into a movie, first of all. Uh, but secondly, it hits so hard, and it's delivered so well by Bradley Cooper. He really just kind of tears into it with his teeth and just really makes it hit. And then what I thought was masterful is that they left a beat there. Like, they left a beat of silence for you to really let it sink in. They didn't just move on to the next thing. Yeah, Quill just put on his shirt and just sat there and, and, and you ponder it, you know. Yeah, and and, and so I think, and especially because it, 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 you know, it happened in the bar when he and Drax got into a fight. Uh, oh, that's right, that's yeah. right, I'm sorry. I thought... I I I had I was thinking about you're thinking the scene of when Peter where, sees when, when the, the implants the on his implants, back. Yeah, that that's right. Can, you conflating. know, now now is half world a real fraught and real uh, convoluted thing to have to explain? Yes, but Guardians on TV did it um, in, a, in 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 an episode. And I think that you could. I think that there's a way to do it. Unfortunately, you're not. You can't make a rocket raccoon in the movie. You you need to find a way, like Civil War did, to kind of fold these stories into the into the larger yeah, narrative. Yeah. But I would still like to see something about him. And again, I would love to see. And I think this. You this can fit Ragnarok in. and Planet Hulk in the same film. You can do right. some of this stuff that you're talking about. And obviously, Drax in the movies and Drax in the comic books are two very different characters. Um, I so I think you would have to. But that said, the backstory that they have given Drax in the movies, while streamlined, still holds the same emotional resonance. 
So I would love to see something with those two because while those two have gotten some good screen time, I would love to see a little bit more because I, I, you've seen what Dave Batista can do in these small moments. You realize that guy's not just a wrestler. That guy's got that guy's an actor. You know, he's not Gene Hackman, but he's a pretty doggone good actor. Let him stretch his his legs. Let him flex his dramatic muscles a little bit more, and I'd love to see that. And I'd love to see something to do with Rocket and Rocket's family. Because, like I said, we spent a lot of time with Peter Quill. We spent a lot of time with Gamora. You know, we spent more time with, with Groot, really. I think we know – I feel like we know more about Groot than we – Groot emotionally than we do Rocket. Because yeah. we have now literally seen him grow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We've seen it. We've seen it, Benjamin Button status, but we've yeah. seen it. You know, I'm, so. I'm, I'm with I'm with you on a lot of that. I'll, I'll, I'll expand a little bit about what I'd like to see. Like I said, I realized that the first iteration of the Guardians uh, had a lot of these stories. But they, look, they they straight stole the villain from the very first issue of Guardians in Taserface. You know, who who went on to become. Uh, Golly, I was just reading it earlier, man. Why can't I remember what he would overkill? Overkill. He changed his name to Overkill, which was which just, is really should have been the name he had yeah. in the movie because he really was Overkill. Yeah, um, but but I, what I thought was great was that in in the movie, like or even in the comic, like Martin X is like, hold on, excuse me a second. Did you just say Taser Face? Like I loved that they still hearkened back to that in there. And so I kind of look at it like this. If if you can mix and borrow from elements of the first Guardians crew, but or, or for the, the, the missions and, and the enemies that the first Guardians crew faced, but place them in the path of the current iteration, then why not some of the stories? You know, they've got, I, I mean... The, the they 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 have a world of possibilities like when they went up against the punishers or when they came in contact uh well i would say galactus but they can't do that but they also happen to have a battle that involves the beyonder and the protege which sort of introduces people to eternity's role as opposed to the living tribunal and the beyonder and all of these other cosmic elements that are in the Marvel universe that I'd love to see introduced. You could do that stuff without having Galactus in there. And there are a number of other heralds that you could borrow that you don't need the silver surfer. You've still got fire Lord. You've still got Nova. You've still got, you know, a number of different. Galactus had a lot of heralds for a guy who said he wasn't going to have any more heralds. Um, but, uh, yeah, you don't really need Galactus. So I think if you took a lot of those stories and you put them in the path of the – I would like to see the Guardians of the Galaxy time travel. That's the one thing we're missing, right? Yeah, but I, and, and as somebody who is a fan of of time travel in terms of with uh, with Cap, kind, kind of. of, but but for me, time travel, and this is the you know this is the kid who grew up as a the grandson of two science, as a grandson of two aerospace engineers. I'm thinking of the of the the ramifications the butterfly effect, to the, right? You know, I'm thinking of well, if you 
throw us something in the past, if you step on a change. If, if you step on a dragonfly in the past, it's going to rain donuts in the future. You right. know, and, 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 and we've seen that in the current run of Captain America and uh, the Secret Empire. I haven't read all of it, but I'm keeping up with the goings on. Uh, yeah. Where you go back in time and okay, well the Cosmic Cube. Uh, Screwed with him, and now he thinks he's always been in Hydra. But no, wait, mm-hmm. that's the reality. The, what re, what really happened is that the good guys used the Cosmic Cube to make Captain America a good guy. It's like, oh, God, you're making my head hurt. Then yeah. what does anything mean anymore? Because especially when you're dealing with, uh, with a, such it's a... It's a really good written... It's a, the, story, the story may have jumped the shark, and there may be a lot wrong with it. But is if you just say, okay, I'm going to set all the criticism of Secret War aside, it's actually been two pretty damn good books, man. <laughs> like, I was like, holy crap. And that's what I've heard. And that's what I've heard. And I'm waiting to see what happens at the end, but I want to buy the trade. Anyway, the time travel screws with so much because now you're starting to deal with philosophy, you know, or things predestined. No matter what you do in the past, this is going to always happen in the future. Uh, time travel works, I think, really, really well in the Star Trek universe. I don't think, given the fact that these movies are designed to have a somewhat broader appeal, that you can get into the intricacies of time travel on a movie scale. Now, like I said, it has worked, but generally it works best on TV, and occasionally you'll have a great movie that, you know, obviously, uh, you know, but this that's is what taking made out back the Guardians so the great is that there was time travel. Like when they had, when they accidentally went back in time and, 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 and Karen had helped bring back the thing and Captain America so that they could defeat the Badoons, you know, uh, that, that's, that's part of the core of the Guardians of the Galaxy is that there's a little time travel in there. And I, and I get what you're saying. And, and, and there's other things to think about, too. Like, if you do that, how much can you really set up for another movie that, you know what I'm saying? Like, how can they use – Marvel usually uses each film to prop up the next in some way, shape, or form – and to lay the groundwork for things, you know, two, three movies down the line. They're sneaky like that. Um, how do you do that with a film that's set entirely in the future that's not going to matter to our present-day hero's plight? But that's exactly why it's perfect at the end of Phase 3. We won't care. We'll have already gone through the big bad. It's over. Have a little fun. You come back. And whatever Marvel hits you with as you open up phase four, like, it's all gravy from there. Because now the concept of time travel is introduced. So now Marvel can go back in time and bring in different characters. They can bring back some of these characters who leave or whatever the case may be. You know somebody is going to die in Infinity War. and, And it's not like characters stay dead in the Marvel Universe. So... Time travel, magic, and all of that stuff's been important to reviving some of these characters, but I just think that if if there were a time to do it, at the end of Infinity, because it's not called Infinity War anymore, but I'm going to keep calling it that, part two, until the, 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 the title that will give everything away, it'll be a spoiler, apparently, Infinity War 2, 
everything will have already been concluded. So you're not tied down to prop up anything next because Marvel could come back with Black Panther 2 and you're already set up out of the gate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, you know, you, you bring up a point. You know, what the hell is going to happen in Phase 4? We've been barreling towards this face down with Thanos. Yeah, uh, and we how know, are you going to talk Because, like, you know, we've said... Adam know, Warlock said in, in Vegas. I have a strange yeah. feeling they're going to go straight into Infinity War, and I'm not sure it's the smartest idea. But my, my, my thinking is, and this is just my, you know, my creative, you know, my, my, my fever dreams here is that if I were Marvel and I had all my toys in the toy box, hypothetically, you from from Thanos, you go on to Galactus or Doctor Doom, or I mean, or Apocalypse. But, you, but you're limited there, so you know you can't right. go there. Like so. the three guys that could potentially—I won't say top Thanos, but the three guys who could come in after Thanos and still be a big bad the Lucifer of Supernatural, they don't have them, which is, is I am, I am fascinated. That's not necessarily true. They have Kang the Conqueror. But Kang the Conqueror is tied to Fantastic Four. Can't have him. He's out of the toy well, box. Oh, is he? I didn't know if he He's was. He's Franklin Richards' descendant. Oh, all right. Yeah, Can't okay. have him, right? I mean, so there, there right. are the... the Corvac? yeah. Uh, but he's. I, yeah, like I, I don't said, think... you've got you've got the protege who ended up being quite 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 the problem child. Literally, um, again, doesn't strike right. fear in but the heart he the same up, way Thanos. Yeah, if he shows up if in a, a baby post, in a post up, credit scene, you're, you're going to have some <laughs> hardcore fans going, "Who?" Well, I think the hardcore fans would be like, "You followed up Thanos with that kid." Yeah, I. So I'm I, for me, uh, and and I think. The I think the trajectory is headed cosmic. I just I just think I do it too is because that's the that's area why that I think explored. Infinity War. That's why I'm thinking Infinity War because they're laying this all this groundwork for Warlock, and as soon as Warlock becomes you know the leader of the Infinity Watch and he purges himself of good and evil. You know, you get Magus, and then you get his his equally positive side, which ends up being worse than Magus. Um, but then what happens to, you know, Captain Marvel can obviously play into that, but then, hey, what happens to uh, the Earthbound Avengers? What happens, uh, you know, what, what happens to, to all the folks back here on Earth who have been the backbone of all? What happens to Doctor Strange? What happens to Black Panther? You know, it, it's... It, it we, we've we've been hurtling headlong into this, which is where Adelan and Namor would really make would like be, if they perfect. got the rights to Namor back. I think I think yeah, Namor reverted back. Still, although distribution, I think is still, still with, with Univer Universal. I think it's Lionsgate actually. Right? Isn't it? Yeah, because Universal was Hulk. Lionsgate uh -huh. is um, is is Namor. But again, you know, these are you know what happens to these folks now. It, if you have Inhumans and Adelan, you can go with Deviants, uh, you know, the Atlanteans against uh, the uh, the Lemurians. That, you know, they're... You could go I with in, that, Inhumanity. Which is why I think the, in, the the way they're dealing with the Inhumans is foolish, because you can set that up. I'd love to see a, a throwback Namor movie with him in World War II and Cap. 
I would love yeah, to that, that. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I mean, obviously, Johnny Storm couldn't be a part of that, which would really well, change. Well, not I Johnny mean, Storm. It was the original Human Torch. Yeah, um, it was the original Human Torch. I'd, I'd still went by see, Johnny. Uh, uh, I'd love to see an Invaders movie, you know? But, you know, it, it, do, you wanna, do you want to burn one of Chris Evans' I, movies on the Invaders? <laughs> So um, he, your basic options are this: you you do have Annihilation, which is a huge yeah. possibility that was set in space. Which and the funny the part, Core and... yeah, and the funny part about that Annihilation is, I do believe Thanos actually acts in the best interest of humanity and goes to war with. So you would have Josh Brolin sort of doing an about face because Thanos was a complex guy like Dr. Doom. There were several times he aided the, the, the very people he sought to destroy on multiple When it was occasions. in his own self-interest. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, every time, every damn time when it was in his own self-interest, there was, there was nothing altruistic about what Thanos did. So... Uh, 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 you know, I'm just saying it would be fun if you went into that environment from there. But like you, I feel like your options are limited. You but have... is, Anni- is Annihilus, isn't he a Fantastic Four character? I think Annihilus belongs to everybody. Annihilus crossed so many different things and you can do annihilation without annihilus like you uh, you 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 could you could just turn it into the dark dimension which is sort of what annihilus was the negative but i i was the negative zone yeah 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 so you wouldn't be able to use that but you could easily use the dark dimension sealed by dormammu um, and, and, and things, I mean, because Dormammu was, you know. Well, and and that actually, that brings up another possible future path. Uh, Dormammu could be a big bad. I mean, yeah, he's traditionally uh, one-on-one with Stephen Strange, but he's got enough juice to where he could be a, a, a major, major dimensional threat. And beyond that, uh, you know, we haven't even touched on the fact that Marvel does have the Ghost Rider rights Back and they have mm-hmm. used they have used the new one, but we only got a Gabriel glimpse. Luna. We have, we've only gotten a brief glimpse of what has been essentially confirmed to be Johnny Blaze giving his powers to the new Ghost Rider. Now they have now will they use him in a movie? I don't know. Twice burned with with I saw I, I caught uh, Spirit of Vengeance the other night on the on TV. And I, I don't know why Boy, you watched Cage, that. Uh, why did yeah. you do that to yourself? The, the, like the setup was good, and then you start Nick Cage starts becoming Nick Cage, and you're like, oh, yeah. that's that, that's that. Um, but the idea was good. The, the, the cinematography was good. The look of it was good. Uh, the Nick Cage of it all was a real issue. Yeah, but <laughs> you have the title of this episode: the Nick right. Cage of it all was the real issue. But Mephisto. And I've been thinking a lot about Mephisto lately. Yeah. Because Mephisto could be, I mean, you're talking, I mean, not the biblical devil, but a guy who plays him on TV. He may not be the devil devil, but he's a guy who, ha- who has a way to control people's souls, who, uh, who works in the shadows, who commands an army of demons, who has his own goddamn dimension. 
and he has and he has his daughter malevolence you know who i mean that would make for a fabulous and mephisto if done right would be introduced at the end of uh infinity wars i mean really he should have been by along i Instead of the other who got his neck broken by Ronan's universal weapon, it it was really usually Mephisto. But, yeah, you know, you bring up such a good point. I had not considered the fact but that that because Doom, Galactus, Kang, and and, uh, uh, several other characters belong with Fox, it really – big bads are at a – at a – at a – I – you, this is something you really think I would have thought about, you know? I mean, like I said, you've still got guys like Korvac. You do have Megas, but I'm just of the opinion that it's too sloppy and too soon to go from Infinity Gauntlet to Infinity War. Because I then you're, you in, should, you're, you're staying in space. You've got the you're using the same subject around. matter, yeah. basically. The like, heart and soul, and this goes back to the earliest days of Marvel Comics. Heart and soul is in New York. The heart and soul is on Earth. That's why I think Secret Invasion would be the next best oh, yeah. storyline. I, like, I think that would be a great natural progression because, like you said, we're going to end in space one way or the other when it comes to Thanos. And we've seen the Kree. We've seen the Shatari. We haven't seen the Skrulls. And I think it, they can't use Super Skrull. No, I don't think they can use Super Scroll. I think he's exclusively the property right. of Fox, but I do but, believe Scrolls. I uh, I'm almost ninety five percent positive. I came across a comment where Kevin Feige's like, "Yeah, Scrolls are totally in. We can use yeah. them if we want to." And here's here's my, my you know how I would do it. I would have Cap die. The end of the first Infinity War movie. Sure. And as they're taking his body, as they lay his body to rest, we zoom into the coffin, through the lid, and he turns into a scroll. Yeah, that would be absolutely perfect, man. Because then you have that, you can go you have that moment of death, have that moment of death, and then wait for people to come to the very end of the movie, and then. It becomes if you wait till the end of the movie, you're all sad that Cap died, and then you're like, "Holy shit, that was a scroll!" That was totally a scroll. And then you start wondering, when did he get replaced? Yeah. Who's the real Cap? What? We're we're in agreement here that Secret Invasion seems to be the next best way to go. Like. I know they've got Warlock set up, and Warlock net wasn't necessarily like this huge player of uh, in, 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 in Secret Invasion, more so it, it, uh, as a character in Infinity War. But, but you can figure it, out a way. Yeah, you can figure out a way, I'm sure, man. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure. And with the addition of Spider-Man, I think that just opens up. That's one thing that you now have. Now you have Norman Osborn. Yes. Although I don't think we will be seeing him anytime soon. You could have Norman Osborn the bureaucrat. Like Although dark, I dark, dark, a Freeman dark is, is I have a feeling Martin Freeman is gonna play that sort of role here going forward. I, I, I just think that you could have a dark rain storyline with no with, with Norman Osborne taking control 
of and then and then Sony can do whatever they want with the green goblin again because you know they can't sit on him for too long. Even though even though it's the vulture in this film, if the green goblin or Norman Osborn appears in this film, I am going to be zero percent surprised. Like you know, I, hey, I, you know what I'm rooting for in this new trilogy for Spider-Man? Baby, do Venom right. Don't do Venom wrong. Don't do Venom dirty. Give Venom something to do. I don't yeah, but they've already things. said, Feige has already said they will not make an R-rated film. Yeah. So that really limits what you can do with Venom because Venom's greatest opponent was Carnage in, in Maximum Carnage, which, True. by the way, had one of the chintziest endings for, for a war in all time. But I but I digress. Um, yeah, the part of the reason you're stuck with guys, I get why they keep going back to Norman Osborn, is because the other villains that Spider-Man faces are like mass murderers, like Demo yeah, Goblin Hunter? and shit. Like, yeah, Demo <laughs> Goblin, dude. Like, that, dude, that guy is terrifying. Like, all of these guys are terrifying. So I totally get why they come back to Norman Osborn, because you basically got... And even when you go with Norman Osborn, like, the funny part is, is they use him out of fear of 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 having too violent of other characters, but in reality, like, Norman Osborn is one of the most violent characters in the history of Marvel. Like, that yeah, guy... Yeah, he just happens to dress in a suit, and he's a sociopath. Yeah, yeah like, he's, he's an he's absolute nice mass murderer. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's where I would like to see them go, is I, I would like to see the, some break between the Infinity Sagas, and I think the best way to do that, like you said, is Secret Invasion... And the good thing about killing Cap at the end of, the, of of this one and turning him into a Skrull is that you can spend a few movies without Cap. You can also pr- bring Sam uh, Sam Wilson to the forefront, which sort of brings the continuity. Yeah, yeah, I think you do Sam Wilson, but I mean, I I think I, they should let I think the you Winter do Soldier either. be the Winter Soldier because one way or the other. then you can include Romanov and flesh out her character with him. Right, true, 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 true. So I, but that, that's honestly why I would like to see Bucky as Cap, because then you can go into their shared history. Um, okay. But, you know, because if, you, if you're going to have a Captain America movie without Chris Evans, and it's going to be Bucky, that's the perfect way to essentially make a backdoor Black Widow solo movie. You know? You, you, you make it Captain America and Black Widow. I just think if you replace Captain America with with Bucky, there is going to be public outcry. They're going to be like, why is it that the real Captain, why is it that the the Captain America in the comic books is Sam Wilson, but we're doing Bucky? Like, uh, I, I, just, I don't think that there's going to be that kind of outcry. We've we've seen yeah. uh, we've seen different guys in the different suits than there are in the comics at the times they're released. Captain America, the first, the you know. Uh, the first Avenger came out right on the heels of Cap just barely coming back, uh, of, of Steve Rogers just barely coming back. When Captain America was first announced, Bucky was still Captain America. So, yeah, that's you know, true. You, you, the, the, I, I don't think that there is, uh, I, 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 don't I don't think, think there's as much crossover be. as we think there is. I don't think there should be. I just think there will be. If Marvel doesn't do enough to integrate on the, on the back end, like if in phase four, like I said, I really think bringing in Captain Marvel 
let me just, you know, touch on this for a second and we'll get out of here. Captain Marvel, to me, is one of my all-time favorites, like, straight away. Like, not only is she one of the biggest badasses in all of Marveldom, but she is assertive, confident in everything that when you're putting it up on the screen, you know, and you have little girls looking up to be role models, like, man, if Carol Danvers doesn't in- inspire independent woman, man. You know what and I honestly, mean? Honestly, hey, in Phase 4, she may be essentially your Captain America. I, I, and I think she should be. Her and Doctor Strange, I think, should be thrust to the forefront yeah. of this. They're your and, Captain and, America and, Iron Man. Yeah. They're, they're the dialect. And, Especially, and, and I think it's better because Strange is such a goddamn misogynist. I think it'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and, and and I'm all for Captain uh, Marvel taking over in the place of Captain America. Like, she's done it many times. For, I mean, she led the second Civil War. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, we've seen her determination. We've seen her grit. We've seen how exactly how much energy that woman can put out and exactly how powerful and durable she is. She's probably one of the most powerful characters in all of Marvel. Um, shit, Rogue becomes twice as powerful just by draining her of almost all her life. Um, that's how powerful she is. Uh, so I, I would love to see that happen in Phase 4 where you have Doctor Strange, you have a new... Uh, 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 what do you call it, Captain America, whether it's Bucky or whether it's Sam Wilson, I'm fine with either. I'd love to see definitely more of Black Panther because Wakanda is such an amazing area, which is why I'd love to see Namor brought into it because I think a battle between Atlantis and uh, uh, Wakanda is, I mean, it's it's a perfect fit, right? <laughs> I, I'm I'm excited because a you know Taika Waititi is 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 I, I I'm excited. No, sorry, he, he's doing uh, Ragnarok. Um, I, I I'm excited for Black Panther simply because I yeah, love this is, uh, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, Chadwick Boseman and the the runner is um, damn it, why can't I Coogler Ryan Coogler? And for me, Black Panther it. You said diversity on the back end a little bit, and and obviously bringing in Captain Marvel is one thing. Bringing in Black Panther, because for me, Black Panther is a completely different type of character from anybody they have. Um, you know, he has the uh, the weight of 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 rule. He has the weight of a country on him. He is a king. He has to have. The, he has this noble bearing of one brought up as a prince. And yet he is a fighter. I mean, you have elements of Captain America, you have elements of Thor, and then obviously you have the, the tech, you have elements of Iron Man. He really has these pieces of each of the other Avengers. And I really would like to see Black Panther become some sort of centerpiece. Obviously, you're limited because of the way Wakanda is situated politically in the world, uh, that it is isolationist, but... I would love to see Black Panther. I think take they'll on a move that for I think they'll move that forward. I think they already started that process by his father coming to that 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 United Nations meeting. Um I think that Wakanda was already starting to shift its policies towards becoming part of the world. So it would make a natural fit for if 
the Panther became a more centralized figure. And I would like it too, because I think he's such a layered character. <clears throat> and honestly, they've been sitting on Paul Bettany for way too damn long. Oh, I love him. Like, and I'd love to see Paul what happens Bettany, with him yeah, and Scarlet Witch. Paul Bettany deserves to be thrust into, like, when this version of the Avengers goes place, I think Paul Bettany deserves his chance because Vision was a leader of the Avengers at one point. He was one of the most respected members of the Avengers. And Paul Bettany has been a hidden gem for Marvel for way too long, man. And, hey, and remember, Young Avengers, you know, uh, a version of the Vision was a leader of that team also. And finally, hey, and, and wrapping it full circle before we get out of here, Mainframe, who was an ally of the original Guardians of the Galaxy, was Vision after he uploaded his consciousness and gave up his corporeal form, well, his android form. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> I, it's, you, there are so many different ways you can go. And again, folks, we are just two fans. Uh, we're two storytellers by nature. We're just throwing stuff at a wall and, sees what's, and seeing what sticks. But I think the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it, it, as... As as doom and gloom as we were about 20 minutes ago, saying, well, all the good big bats are gone, there are other ways to go. And this, again, ties back into the very beginning where I said, good storytelling is trumps everything. Yes, it does. Tell, a good story well told is the key. That's why these characters and ty- these types of characters have been with us for, and yes, it's true, thousands of years. You can go back to Hercules and the and the original Thor and Samson, and you fast forward to King Arthur, and then Zorro and the Scarlet Pimpernel, and now, of course, Batman, Superman, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor. These characters have been with us for as long as we've been telling stories, and a good story, well told, will outlast its creators. And I think that the best, that there are so many, there are enough good storytellers out there. James Gunn and the Russo brothers have proven that. Oh, but you know, but both cinematically and in the books, that I think that that maybe every, we've talked about a lot. We've thrown a lot of crap at the wall. Maybe, and there's a really good chance, nothing that we've said will ever happen. But they will yeah. take it in the direction, and we'll go, well, hot damn, that was a good idea. Which I thought yeah. of it. And that's and most if, likely if, what's going to happen. And if Cap winds up being a scroll, I will be in the back of the movie theater going. We have and we have a podcast to prove it too. That's the thing. We'll have a documented podcast to prove this. So Exactly. All right. Well, before we get out of here, uh you can find me on Twitter at Fight on Twist and this week I do believe I have another episode of Turf Show Times Radio. I am also reviewing Kingpin and Kingpin uh, issue number four, and I believe I'm – oh, yes, I am for sure reviewing America number three, uh, hoping America picks up. Gabby Rivera has had some struggles, though I think Marvel did a fantastic job in hiring a, uh, a, a, a queer Latina writer to write about a queer Latina. Like, imagine that. Well, you, you say America 3, I'm like, boy, I hope there's an America 4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, well, I, <laughs> I, 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 I actually, I kind of like America. I, 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 it's a fun series for me. 
I I'm think it, abstractly. I, I know. The, 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 the funniest part about the entire series is is that there's a sorority called the the the, the Pi Phi Betas, but they're the Lilu Multipass Pi Phi Betas. And it's <laughs> like the Lilu Multipass, huh? All right then. So, uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Fight on Twist discussing Marvel things and writing for the Marvel Report, as well as for Aslan covering Cal, uh, which I do from time to time and did a Q&A with Golden Blogs on defensive coordinator Tim DeRuder. Uh, Ryan, what upcoming projects dost thou have, or have you know what? I, completed? I, 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 I got a lot of stuff working in terms of in terms of the Cal Golden Bears and doing a long takeout on assistant coach uh, Chris Walker, who is coming back to the world of coaching after being an interim head coach at Texas Tech, uh, and he spent a few years as an on-air talent at CBS, and he is back uh, with a guy who he coached in college, Joaquin Jones, who's Cal's new head basketball coach. Also got a long uh, long takeout coming out. On Andrew Vaughn, he's the Pac-12 home run leader. A little baseball action there. Uh, a guy I talked with a with a major league scout who said he's never seen a kid who's gone from completely unheralded in high school. He had one offer, and that was from Cal to being now the favorite to win either Pac-12 Player of the Year or Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. So I got those big long things uh, coming out. I've been working on those for for about two weeks now, and I still have a little bit more to go. But uh, those are the next big things. And in the meantime, of course, get all the latest uh, on uh, Cal Golden Bears. At the bearterritory.net or california.scout.com. Again, we're part of the scout.com network. Uh, and find me on Twitter at rgbearterritory. I am always good for a little Marvel debate on Twitter. So go right ahead. <laughs> yep. Um, and we do encourage you to keep coming back. And as I said, there are going to be three different iterations of this podcast. The one with Ryan is going to be straight nerd talk. I mean, what you got tonight is what you're getting moving forward. There, we will go off topic. We will talk about random things. Favorite moments will come up. Um, homages to favorite writers and authors will happen. Uh, with Kevin <clears throat> of College Football Talk on NBC, uh, it will be sports and video games. Uh, and, and, and mostly comic book movies because Kevin doesn't read comics. Uh, but with Joe Goodberry, it will be comics and football. So pretty much third nerd has all your needs covered. So you pick the podcast that you want. I, I encourage you to listen to all three. But if, uh, if, if one is your deal, we try not to have overlap on content. Um, but if one is your deal, uh, and, and, and you're a Marvel fan, then this one is the one for you because this one is the one that'll feature the least amount of sports talk. <clears throat> so with that for Ryan, uh, this has been a fantastic edition of Marvel Blitz for third nerd. I'm Josh Webb and we'll catch you next time.